Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3nas.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Bible, go ahead and grab one, whether that's in book form or app form or electronic form. Go ahead and you know where we're opening up this entire series. This is week five, I think, of this series. Prove it. And we're walking through 1 John. And John has written this sermon way back uh, a long, 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 long time ago to a group of house churches. And it comes down to us today and still has something to say to us today. Today we're going to have three verses, and then, I promise, we're going to pick up just a little bit quicker pace to get us through this before we get into Advent season at the end of November. But this has been a fun series for me. We get to nerd out a little bit and get into some Greek language and have some fun hearing what this sermon has to say to us today. So if you have your Bibles, open them to 1 John chapter 2. And we're going to begin where we left off last week at verse 3, verses 3 through 6. Hear the word of the Lord. We know that we have come to know if we obey his commands. The one who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in Him. Whoever claims to live in Him must walk as Jesus did. It's the Word of God for the people of God here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. Have you ever had a gut check? You know, just one of those things where you, you kind of have to look deep inside and, and, and you, you have to see if everything is aligned. You have to, you have to just kind of check, why am I in this? Why am I doing this? What is going on? Sometimes that happens just because of a situation. Sometimes that happens because you're just kind of doing some internal work. Sometimes it happens because of someone else. And I remember... A a gut check that happened for me when I was a freshman in college at Trevecca Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee. And it was around this time, maybe Thanksgiving time, when um, I started dating a young woman named Wendy. And Wendy and I, you know, had a lot, of, a lot in common. We uh, both had classes together. We were both music business majors. We, we had this deep love for uh, contemporary Christian music at the time. She was a huge Amy Grant fan. Um, I was more into the 80s Christian hair metal bands. Uh, we won't speak of that. But we got along well, and we began to date. And we had a lot of fun through Thanksgiving and then Christmas, and we called each other over the Christmas holiday, we got into the springtime. And I'll never forget, we came, I came back from spring break, and we got to talking. And she said something that was both a gut check and a gut punch. 
You see, she had noticed something about me that while I was in college, I was spending a lot of time just wasting time. And, and my grades were kind of showing a little bit of that. You know, I had, I, it wasn't all about just how can I get a job in the Christian music industry. You know, you had to take music theory. You had to take music history. You had to take all of these different classes. And I just wasn't putting in the time to do those things. And she looked me dead in the eye and she said, I think that we need to break up. She said, because I'm here to get an education and I want to be with someone who wants an education and takes that seriously. Oh. And, and there was nothing I could say because I knew right in that moment she was right. Now, the good news is that that did was a gut check for me. It, it, it began to, to stir something in me to want to, to do better in my classes and to remind me this wasn't just an extended summer camp. This costs money. And, and this is important to be a part of. It was a gut check. And why, I'm te- why am I telling you this humiliating story? Because I really believe that in these few verses, John is saying to that church long ago and to us today, giving us a gut check. Now remember that John is using a very particular writing style called amplification. And amplification uses strong words like, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. To get your attention, to cause you to wake up, to give you a gut check or maybe a little bit of a gut punch to get your attention in order to evoke a response from you. He wants you to hear what he is about to say. And what is John saying to that church long ago, those little house churches, and what is John saying to us today in that gut punch, that gut check? In other words, the old saying is true that your actions, say it with me, speak louder than your words. Or maybe if we wanted to make that a little more fun to say, your walk proves your talk. Or maybe if we want to make it even more fun to say, your game proves your claim. And he wants that to be very, very clear. And so he has said, well, you can say that you know him. But unless your game proves your claim, you're a liar. And his truth is not in you. I mean, that shouldn't be a surprise. Remember back when we had the the light in the dark and, and we were here? It's pretty easy to tell which one you're standing in. So how does this action, this walk, your game, what is that? What is he saying by that? Here's what he's saying. He just he makes no bones about it. He says, if you want to know if you're living in Jesus... You must walk as Jesus did. You must live as Jesus did. That's verse 6. Now let's take a moment just to, to be a little nerdy with some Greek language, okay? Because I want you to hear this. The word that is translated must is the Greek word ophele. Let's say that together really quick. One, two, three. Ophele. Let's say it one more time really quick. Ready? One, two, three. Ophele. And one more time so you dream about it tonight. One, two, three. Ophele. 
And ophele is not just must. We hear must, and, and it's just kind of one of those words we just kind of pass over. But it really honestly says, what it's saying is, if you claim to live in Him, you are obligated, you are indebted to walk as He walked. That, that brings it a little more strong. John is not pulling punches here. He is giving us, and that church long ago, a gut check to look at your walk, to look at your game, to look at your actions. Is it proving your claim? Look at that. You're obligated. Ophele, you must live as he lived. Now, we could use a real simple word of of at, for as there's just some a little article that could be used but john is very particular here and he uses the word kathos let's say that together really quick one two three kathos let's say it one more time one two three kathos and what he means by this very intentionally is according to the same manner just as so when he says you must, Ophelia, you are obligated, you are indebted to live according to the same manner or just as Jesus did. Who Does John have your attention yet? To live just as Jesus lived. Is that a gut check for you or a gut punch? Mm. Well, this hit me like a train this week as I was preparing for this. And that, that began to evoke the question in me, okay, then how did Jesus walk? What does that mean? And so I decided to, I mean, of course we could go through all of the Gospels, but I thought, well, this is John's sermon, and so let's look at John's Gospel And so I want to take us on a really quick tour of John's gospel so we can see how Jesus lived, how Jesus walked. Jesus, number one, Jesus walked towards sinners and Samaritans for outsiders. And yes, these will all begin with S. He walked towards sinners and Samaritans. We can see a few examples of this right off the bat in John's gospel in verse 14 of chapter 1. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That means just as Jesus was born and moved into our neighborhood, he was showing already that Jesus walks towards sinners. In fact, a few verses before this, John would say he would come to his own and his own wouldn't know him. They were missing the mark. But Jesus still came because Jesus walks towards sinners and Samaritans. We see this in uh, in chapter 4, verse 4 of John's gospel, where this verse, this very key verse that sometimes just kind of glossed over. He was on his way from Jerusalem back to Galilee. And John writes in there, now he had to go through Samaria. No good Jew had to go through Samaria. In fact, they would walk the long way, adding extra hours to their walking journey in the desert in order to avoid Samaria. Even though Samaritans were their distant, distant cousins, they didn't get along. They fought one another. They thought differently. They had a different theological uh, ideas. But John writes, because Jesus walks towards 
sinners and Samaritans outsider. He had to go through Samaria. And his conversation with one Samaritan woman at a well leads an entire village to believe in him. You see, Jesus walks towards sinners and Samaritan outsiders. He then, when a woman was brought who had been caught in the very act of adultery and thrown before him and questioned what he should do because the law of Moses says that she should be stoned dead right then, Jesus says those beautiful words that we've heard many times, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. And they all walk away dropping their stones. And Jesus turns to her and says, has anyone condemned you? She says, no. And he says his beautiful words, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. You see, Jesus walks towards sinners and Samaritan outsiders. He surrounded her with gracious boundaries. I don't condemn you, but leave your life of sin. Go and sin no more. You see, Jesus walks towards sinners in order to forgive them. And Jesus walks towards outsiders in order to conclude them, to, uh, to include them. This is how Jesus lives. Number two, Jesus walked towards sickness. We see this throughout this John's Gospel. We see it in, in chapter 4, verse 46, where he heals a royal official's son just by his words. Now, royal official, that doesn't mean anything to you and me. We think, oh, wow, he's hobnobbing with celebrities. No, a royal official would have been seen in the Jewish community as traitors, those who were participating with the occupying Romans to oppress the people of Israel. And yet Jesus heals this royal official's son with his words. See, because Jesus goes towards outsiders. He walks towards them, and he's okay to walk into their sickness. In John 5, 1 through 9, we hear the, the, the story of a man who was paralyzed, and he had been sitting beside the pool of Bethesda for years and years and decades and decades, and Jesus walks through and says, do you want to walk? And heals him, and heals him on the Sabbath, which creates a big uproar. But Jesus is not afraid in an era when sickness was viewed as something you did wrong between you and God, or your parents did between you and God, Jesus walks right into the midst of that, unafraid to heal. Even when it's inconvenient for others. And John 9 talks about the man born blind. Again, walks in and heals him on the Sabbath. You see, Jesus moves not just towards sinners and Samaritan outsiders, but Jesus walks towards sickness. Number three, Jesus walks toward supplying needs. He was unafraid to look at what people needed and supply those needs. One of the best stories is in John chapter 6, verse 5, where 5,000 men and their wives and children have gathered to hear Jesus speak and talk. And Jesus looks out at them and says, it's late. And instead of going, peace out, the king of kings has left the building. He looks at them and says, where are we going to buy bread for these people to eat? One of his disciples said, there's no way. Six months wages wouldn't give them a, a bite. 
But one says, here's a little kid with five small loaves and a couple of fish. And Jesus, looking at hungry people, walks towards supplying their need. And He breaks the bread and breaks the fish. And everyone, all of those people, ate till they were full. You see, Jesus walks toward supplying needs. And even when He was suffering on a cross, think about this, nails in His hands and His feet, agony after being scourged, slowly suffocating, He opens His eyes and sees His disciple and sees His mother. And because Jesus walks towards supplying needs, He looks down and even though He is grieving, even though everyone would have given Him total excuse to to not be looking at someone else's needs in that moment. He looks and he says to her, woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. See, Jesus walks towards supplying people's needs. Number four, Jesus walked towards serving. And probably the greatest story in John's gospel is found in chapter 13. We're only going to read one verse, but He had gathered His disciples around for the Passover meal. And they were all there. And after that, He poured water into a basin and began washing the disciples' feet. That was the job you gave to your least favorite servant. I mean, they walked where animals walked. With open-toed shoes. This was not the job anyone wanted. And yet Jesus began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around them. He showed that His call was into service. And He reminds His disciples, if I, your Master and Teacher, have done this, how much more should you? You see, Jesus walks towards serving others. Number five, Jesus walked towards supplication. That's just a fancy way of saying prayer. I just needed the S. It's it's praying for the needs of others. And if you were to read John chapter 17, it's just an entire prayer of Jesus praying for His disciples, including the ones who would come much, much later. Did you know that Jesus walked towards supplication, toward praying for your needs and for my needs and for the needs of the entire world? And He prayed that they would be unified. He prayed that they would be unified together as a group. He prayed for you that we, Cross Community Church, would be unified as a group. He prayed that we would be unified with Him and the Father. Just as He and the Father are one, He prayed that we would would be one that's a great need and a great prayer you see jesus walks towards sinners and samaritan outsiders jesus walks towards sickness jesus walks towards serving jesus walks towards supplying needs and jesus walks towards supplication praying for our needs and number six Jesus walks towards surrender, suffering, and sacrifice. As we near the the end of the story, the climax of the story in John chapter 18 and 19, we see that as they come to arrest Jesus and they ask, Are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, I am he. John records that they fall back. What is he saying? He's, He's saying that Jesus had strength in that moment. 
And so he, but he was willing to surrender to their control. He, he was, he was willing to enter into the suffering moment and even to become that atoning sacrifice that we talked about last week. By entering into this, Jesus did not shy away from surrendering, from sacrificing, from suffering in order to supply your need and my need, in order to serve the world, in order to see sinners forgiven and Samaritan outsiders become insiders. You see, Jesus does all of this all the time. This is the life that Jesus lived. Gut check. Gut punch. As John says, if you claim to abide in Him, you must live as Jesus did. Is your game proving your claim? Remember, here's our verse again, whoever claims to live in Him must live as Jesus lived. Are you walking towards sinners and Samaritans? Is that part of who you are? Do you look towards people to forgive or towards outsiders to include? Are you walking towards sickness? Now, I always get this question. It doesn't mean we bring the healing, but that shouldn't stop us from walking with people who are sick and praying for them and coming alongside of them. Because that's what Jesus did. Are you walking towards supplying the needs of others? Or do you only look to your own household or your own body? Or do you look towards the needs of those who are hurting? Are you walking towards serving? Is there a place where you are serving and not getting paid? You're serving because you just want to help someone who is in need. Are you walking towards supplication? How often do you pray for the needs of others, including the needs of the world? Because all of this is what John is getting at. And then are you walking towards surrender, suffering, and sacrifice? Most of us, if we're honest as human beings, we run from this one. And this is not about intentionally trying to get beat up. But this is about trusting that as you walk and surrender, you are surrendering to the one who surrendered on your behalf. That you are, may suffer, but so did he. The early disciples Counted it joy to be honored to suffer as he suffered. That was something different. Are you willing to sacrifice? I know this is a tall order, the tallest of orders. And you may be sitting there going right now, okay, wait, 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 wait. I'm out. Or, or I just feel so bad right now. Because there are some of those things that are just hitting. Maybe, maybe it's, you're feeling like my 19 year old self getting that gut check of, of being not very, uh, into my education, even though I was saying I was a college student. You may be feeling some of that right now. Just hold that for just a moment. It's okay. Remember, John is using amplification. John wants to evoke a response in you. 
And I want you to know that the story goes on. And there is good news. Because not only did Jesus walk towards those six things, but Jesus also walked towards the surprise of resurrection. And when Jesus and his resurrection means that every place between hell and this present moment is filled with his presence and his possibility. There is not a moment, not something you could go through, no suffering, no sacrifice, that Jesus won't be present there with you you in that moment right here right where you are now that jesus also then walked towards sending his spirit and we see that at the end of john where he breathed on his disciples and they received the holy spirit what does that mean the holy spirit enables you to walk just as jesus walked he will lead you Towards sinners to announce forgiveness to. He will lead you towards Samaritan outsiders in order for you to help them understand that because of what Jesus has done, they are included. He will move you to walk alongside and pray for those who are sick. He will move you to serve. He will move you to look to others' needs. He will move you to maybe even suffer and surrender and sacrifice. He will move you to pray for the needs of others. This is what John is wanting us to understand, that we are called to live just as he lived. Folks, for too long, we have been so captivated by this understanding, and I believe this, That we don't earn grace by our works. That is true. But we have taken it so far to the opposite end of the spectrum that for me to read the Bible to you today and say that you are called in response, if you claim to live in Him, you must live as He lived. We've almost gotten to the point that that sounds foreign and strange. But ours is a faith we learn in the doing. And people will not care how much you believe until they believe how much you care. And you are going to need the Holy Spirit in order to do that. And that's why week after week I encourage you to lean in to ask the Holy Spirit to help you move towards sinners and Samaritan outsiders, to pray, to serve, to supply needs. That is why we are a church that has a food pantry. That is why we are a church that encourages even our small groups to spend some time serving. That is why we are a church who gives 10% of what comes in to go out to global missions to help other people. That is why we are a church in Jesus' name. The name of the Nazarene. And we are called, and Siri found something for me. We are called to pray for the Spirit to enable us to live just as Jesus lived. The world is waiting for a church who lives as Jesus lived. Will we continue to move in that direction. One last gut check and one last help. And that is that communion 
is a beautiful reminder of all of this. And so if you have your communion ready to go, or if you're at home and you need to get that ready, go ahead. If you did not get communion this morning and uh, the elements and you would like to, Chris has those, just raise your hand. You don't have to be a member of Cross Community Church to take communion. You just have to be hungry for this Jesus that we've talked about today. And so if you need that, go ahead and Chris will get that to you. But think about this this morning. We are able to come to the table of the Lord because Jesus moved towards me when I was a sinner and forgave me. We're able to come to this table because Jesus moved towards us who are outsiders and included us. We're able to come to this table today because Jesus did something that healed our sin-sick souls. We are able to come to this table today because Jesus walked towards supplying our need of the Holy Spirit. We are able to come to this table today because Jesus showed us the way of service and cleaned our hearts even deeper than he cleaned his disciples' feet. We are able to come to the table today because Jesus prayed that you and I would be one with he and the Father. We are able to come to the table today because he surrendered, he suffered, and he sacrificed on our behalf. And when we take bread and when we take cup, we are reminded That just as grain is crushed to make bread and grapes are crushed to make juice, their death provides life just like his did. When we take bread and cup, we are reminded of the words he said and prayed to his disciples. It's my body, it's my blood. Take and eat, take and drink. I want that to be inside of you. And as we believe that somehow the Holy Spirit is in this ordinary piece of bread and this ordinary juice, somehow we receive it. It supplies our needs. It can include us as from outsiders to insiders. It can forgive our sins. It heals us and calls us to walk as He walked. This is, a, this is a big thing that we do at the end of the service. It wraps it all together. And maybe that's why Paul said we ought to sit for a moment and let the gut check of what we're about to participate in hit us. Not so we can set it aside and say, oh, I'm not worthy of that. None of us are worthy of this. But so we can say, God, where I'm missing the mark, Walk towards me in the bread and the cup. Where I still feel like an outsider, walk towards me and remind me that I'm included, just like everybody else who's eating. When I'm sick, move towards me and heal me in mind, in body, in emotions, in spirit. This is a powerful thing that Jesus gave to us we enter into it now on the night that Jesus was betrayed he took bread and he took cup and he 
he said to his disciples, including one that would betray him, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat. On that same night, he took the cup. He poured into it and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful that you left us with this reminder. And we pray that today we would be reminded that we are forgiven, included, healed. You have supplied our needs. You have prayed for us. You have served us. You have suffered and sacrificed for us. You have surprised us with the way you have brought life out of death. And you have given us the Holy Spirit to be inside us like this bread and this cup. Now take us and send us out to live just as you lived. To move towards those who are still missing the mark forgive them to move towards outsiders and announce to them that they can become one of us help us to move alongside those who are sick to pray, to bless, to help to pray for your healing help us to serve help us to look to others' needs and yes help us to pray for our world and if needed to surrender to you to enter into suffering and to sacrifice for you are good and we pray and we ask all of these things through your empowering name and everyone said amen would you stand and receive this blessing before you go and now My friends, my brothers, my sisters, I pray that the bread and cup that you have received will remind you throughout this entire week that the Holy Spirit is with you. Jesus is with you. May you hear John's gut check echo in your ears and remind you you are called to sinners and Samaritans, to those who are sick, to those who have needs. You're called to pray. You're called to serve. You're called to maybe surrender or sacrifice and maybe even suffer. May you remember, though, that Jesus brings life out of what seems like death and you have everything you need. I pray you will go and bless others in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. Go in his name. Go in his strength, his power, and his peace. Have a great week. Thank you for joining us online. We're glad you were here. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. 
We hope you will join us next week.